honestly. Morning, everybody. How you doing? Good, me too. Thanks for adjusting the lights. <laughs> Our opening words this morning come from two different sources. The first is from the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. I have the audacity to believe that people everywhere can have three meals a day for their body, education and culture for their minds, and dignity, equality, and freedom for their spirits. And our second is from Mother Teresa of Calcutta. I never look at the masses as my responsibility. I look at the individual. I can only love one person at a time. I can only feed one person at a time. One, just one, and one. So you begin, I began, I picked up one person. Maybe if I didn't pick up that one person, I wouldn't have picked up 42,000. Just begin with one and one and one. Just take some moment to show someone you care. 
Welcome to the Washington Ethical Society. I'm Brian Pashigian, and my pronouns are he, him, and his. And I'm so glad that you are here this morning, whether you are in the room with us or joining us on Facebook. Visitors and guests, I hope that you got a new uh, blue name tag so that way we may, we may welcome you, excuse me, this morning and uh, join in on this beautiful weather and this time together that we have. We love talking about why this community is so important to us, and we'd like to hear what you're looking for. We hope you, you'll join us after platform as we have cookies and coffee in the main lobby and have an opportunity to um, talk and discuss all those things that we bring and come together with. Also, please consider sharing your email with us on the gold sheet that was found on the welcome table. You can put in the basket as it passes later in the platform service. This summer, our regular clergy person, Amanda Poppy, is on sabbatical, and we are delighted to have with us Karin Rasmussen serving as our sabbatical clergy and also doing the platform address today. I want to remind you to please silence your electronic devices so that we may, we may be fully present here this morning. Although we'd love it if you could check in on social media, of course. I now invite George Bzell to read our statement of purpose so that we may hear our shared values in each other's voices. George is on the auction team here at West. The auction team is very small this year. Uh, this is Lily who's helping as well, so she wanted to help read. We'll see how that goes. The Washington Ethical, Ethical Society is a humanistic congregation that affirms the worth of every person. We strive through our relationships to elicit the best in the human spirit. With faith in human goodness, we appreciate each, other, each person's unique capacities. We joyfully celebrate together and support each other through life. We nurture a sense of reverence and responsibility for each other and the earth. We invite you to join our community of children and adults as we work for a world where love and justice cross all borders. Thank you, both of you. As George and Lily light our community candle, I invite you to join me in the candle lighting words. May we kindle within us the warmth of compassion, the light of understanding, and the fire of commitment to build a brighter future for all. Each week we ring this chime in solidarity with people all around the world. Today I am particularly mindful of children, all children everywhere, who just don't have enough to eat. As we listen to the chime, let us remember our connection to each child and to the world around us. Let us hold in our hearts all that hurts in the world. And let us commit ourselves to all that calls for our work 
and our love. I invite you now into a time of meditation and reflection. We gather today and recognize that all of us hunger in some way. We hunger for connection and for growth, for the chance to be seen and the chance to be heard. We hunger to share ourselves, our joys and our sorrows, our trials and our tribulations, as well as sharing all the things that we might be celebrating today. Help us to nourish ourselves, to feed all of us and all our different parts. We hope to nourish our minds, our bodies, and our inner selves. And as we become nourished and fed, give us the strength to think about others and to reach out to our friends and to our loved ones. Help us to be aware of people who need us, to open our eyes and our hearts to those around us, one by one by one. Help us to feed as a community, to feed those in need, even with a smile or a touch, or maybe some patience on a tough, tough day. We ask for the presence of mind to feed just one, because it matters, and may it be so. Close. 
traje con botones para hacer un Thank you to Nicole and Gordon and Jason and Tom. You are exactly what I needed today. Thank you. I have a story to tell you, and it's written. Once upon a time, there was a wise man who used to go to the ocean to do his writing. He had a habit of walking on the beach before he began his work. One day, as he was walking along the beach, he looked down and saw a human figure moving, moving like a dancer. They were way down the beach. He smiled to himself the thought of someone who would dance to the day, and so he walked faster and faster to catch up. As he got closer, he noticed the figure was that of a young man. The young man was reaching down to the shore, picking up some small objects and throwing them back into the ocean. The wise man came closer still and called out, good morning, good morning. May I ask what it is that you are doing? And the young man paused and he looked up and he said, I'm throwing starfish back into the water. I must ask you then, said the wise man, why are you throwing starfish into the ocean? To this, the young man replied, the sun is up, and the tide is going out, and if I don't throw them back in, they will die. Upon hearing this, the wise man commented, but young man, do you not realize there are miles and miles of beach, and there are starfish along every single mile? You can't possibly make a difference. picked up yet another starfish and threw it out into the ocean. And as it met the water, he said, it mattered to that one. It's unbelievable, isn't it? Just unbelievable that any child should ever go hungry, whether we're talking about any child in the whole world or a child in the United States or a child right here in DC or that kid that lives on your street. Hunger is a global issue, and it's also right next door. 
There are so many social justice issues in our world and images that we are all passionate about. It could be immigration or climate change or homelessness or reproductive justice, animal rights or sex trafficking. The list of issues and challenges is often long and often heartbreaking. I have found that people often have one or two issues that rouse them to action. Not that they don't care about the other issues, but I think certain issues strike a chord with individuals and move them to do something about it. These one or two issues inspire us to use our time and our money and inspire us to get out there and to do something about it. I respect whatever your personal cause is. It takes all of us with different passions to work on the difficult problems of the world. Well, for me, that a child goes to bed hungry is one of those issues. It makes me crazy, simply crazy, that in our neighborhoods we have kids who simply don't have enough to eat or even know how they will get enough food for tomorrow. The platform service today and this talk invites us to look at why we let childhood hunger happen, and then I ask the question, how do we make sure that no child ever goes to bed hungry? I've been working on hunger and feeding people in my community in Fairfax County for about nine years. You could say that I'm a hunger activist. Fairfax is one of the richest counties in the United States, and every day, every single day, more than 52,000 children, that's 25% of the kids who attend Fairfax County Public Schools, they qualify to receive free or reduced-priced meals. When those kids aren't in school, who knows if they have any food to eat? That so many kids in the county that I live in go hungry makes me crazy. The kind of frothing at the mouth kind of crazy. What makes you feel that kind of frothing at the mouth kind of crazy? I could spend our time together showing you a slideshow of hungry kids, both locally and around the world. I could give you images of kids with big eyes and empty stomachs. We could put stirring music to that slideshow, and we could make it so it just pulls at your heartstrings. But my guess is that your heartstrings are already pulled, knowing that kids are hungry. And I could give you all kinds of facts and figures about hunger. Oh my gosh, I could give you a whole presentation of facts and figures and research studies on hunger. I could give you the history of hunger in the United States and all kinds of data until your eyes glaze over and our natural system that turn pains off kicks in and we just don't want to hear it anymore and we go blah, 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 because it's huge. And we are bombarded, aren't we? Just bombarded with the images of our world's greatest needs. On TV and on Facebook, with online requests and billboards and snail ale mads, all the requests for us to do things and to help with every dire need that's out there. We're just inundated, aren't we? I could get big sheets of paper and I could cover the walls and the windows in this hall with all kinds of facts and figures about hunger. I could fill it full of pages and pages of current initiatives and programs and working groups and conferences that are happening all over the world, all concerning hunger. We could talk about the great thinkers and all the great thoughts they have and the speeches that they give about hunger in our communities. 
Hunger problem seems so huge and so big. Childhood hunger seems like a huge mountain that we can't climb in an ocean that we simply can't get our arms around. And amid the noise and the words and the good intentions, I find myself closing my own eyes and sitting for a moment and saying, what can we do? What can we do? And what can I do? And when I feel personally overwhelmed by it all, I come back to the words from the Gospel of Matthew. You might be familiar with them. When I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. For me, those two lines make the task simple again. Those two lines make it very personal and one-on-one -on -one again. Those two lines help me to focus. When I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. It's pretty clear. No ifs, no ands, no buts about it. I just go with those two lines. As I learn more and more about the world of hunger, I find there's a whole new language about it. The book, A Place at the Tables, edited by Peter Pringle, is a good resource, and it offers very easy to read and understandable essays written by people working on hunger and the hunger issues all around the world. There is a new language, I can't imagine, but there's a new language to go with the word hunger. The United States isn't like a third world country where we openly have people or tribes or villages that are starving. We don't often have people starving in our streets. In fact, rarely do we hear that people are starving in America. We say people are food secure or their food a place at the table, people are defined as food secure when they have access at all times to enough food for an active and healthy life. It sounds kind of easy, doesn't it? My home and there's food inside, always. Or I have easy refrigerator Food insecure is obviously the opposite. I wouldn't have access at all times to enough food for a healthy and active life. The term, the term food insecurity itself is then broken down into two categories. Food insecure with hunger and food insecure without hunger. So in the creating of terminology that we have for hungry people now, we have food insecure to begin with, and now we even have categories for them. And they're hungry. Food insecure without hunger means people have just eaten, but don't know if they'll have food again anytime soon. In America, we have about 50 million people who are food insecure in both categories, and half of them are children. Most accounts say one in five children in the United States live in poverty, one in five. If you're African-American or a Latino child, it's one in three. One in three African-American or Latino children live in poverty. 50 million hungry people with half, 25 million being kids in the U.S. that are food insecure on any given day. And of course we already know how important that learning and nutrition is. It's not sugar, snacks, and soda, but fresh fruits and vegetables for our children to eat to help them learn in school. 
One more phrase that I learned about is the word in the term food desert. What on earth is a food desert, I thought. In the food and hunger world, when a person lives in a food desert, they have no car and no grocery store or farmer's market within a one mile radius. That means food is bought at gas stations or quick marts or convenience stores. Fresh fruits and vegetables aren't available there or they're totally unaffordable. No car and no access to healthy food within a mile radius means a food desert. We have lots of food deserts in the United States. We have a lot of food deserts here in DC. So I scratch my head and I'm thinking, why? Why does this happen? How does this happen? Why does humankind allow people to go hungry? I mean, it's been proven over and over again that we globally have the money and the power and the scientific knowledge and the resource to fill our population. We know that in the United States that we have the money and the power, the scientific knowledge and the resources to feed our own population in every single one of our 50 states. We have the power to do that, but we don't. We choose not to. We choose to not just end hunger. And that perplexes me. Why don't we choose to end hunger? Why don't we just fix this? We have the power to do right and feed our children. We have the power to do right and to feed our children. Why do we have hunger and food insecurity and kids who don't get to eat breakfast or lunch on snow days because often the most consistent meals they get all week are in school and if the schools close, think about it, chances they don't eat. Snow days aren't much fun for them. Snow days and three-day weekends and holidays become hunger days. How does this happen? How do snow days, which are supposed to be fun, become hunger days? And people aren't hungry because it's an act of God. You know that term, act of God. That's a term that insurance companies use for floods and tornadoes and blizzards and acts of nature outside of our control. I would argue that hunger is not an act of God because we can control it. We can't control the weather, but feeding everyone is within our control. But why don't we? Humankind is generally kind and compassionate. Almost every religion has its own version of the golden rule, do unto others as we have done unto ourselves. I bet we'd like some help if our cupboards were bare. Theologically, I find quotes and readings from all faiths and many secular leaders as well. But yet, but yet, hunger continues. In my denomination, Unitarian Universalism, we have our seven UU principles. In the first principle, we talk about the dignity of every person. Is it not dignity to have the feeling of being food insecure and that you will have enough to eat? Isn't that dignity? In our seventh principle, we talk about the interconnected web. And is an important part of the web that all that all have access to nutritious food and that there are no more food deserts. So I needed to practice what I preach. I needed to contact the elementary school that is only a block and a half away from our home. I live in a subdivision in Annandale, Virginia. And yes, my wife and I live on Guinevere Drive. 
Yes, we do. And of course, that intersects with Lancelot, just saying. <laughs> and in our little subdivision of Camelot, our little elementary school is called the Camelot Elementary School. And I thought, there can't be any hungry kids at the Camelot Elementary School on Guinevere Drive. I must admit, I was a little nervous when I contacted them. And there was a need, what if I found out there was a need to feed kids there? Well, I was going to have to be ready to help. But I reached out to them, and sure enough, they have a program that feeds 30 kids every single weekend. They discreetly send food home for 30 kids every single weekend. I offered supplies. I offered food, but another nonprofit was already covering it which I was grateful to hear. Somebody else had stepped in. But now they know I'm a resource if they needed it. But 30 kids in that elementary school, kids that drive by my house in the morning that is just a block away from me, what school is closest to your home? And do they have a program that feed the kids in need? Go ahead, call, think about your home, think about the schools that are closest to your home, and call out their names. Call the names of the schools that are closest to you. Just, just call them out. Yeah? So you know the names of the schools closest to you, and these are, the, these are the places that your kids or your grandkids go to. Do they have a program that helps kids in needs with food on the weekends? You might check it out and ask to partner with them if you can. And think about where you live and the schools that you pass by. Just think about them. Do they have a program that feed kids on the weekend or during the summer? You might not know, and that's okay. I didn't know about mine. But you might reach out and ask them, how can I help you? You know how much it costs to feed a kid for a whole weekend? Eight bucks. About $8 provides cereal, mac and cheese, tuna helper, chicken and beans and rice, some vegetables, snacks of raisins, granola bars, peanut butter and jelly, and a fresh snack. Eight bucks for a big bag of food. Now when I go to Starbucks for my favorite grande hazelnut latte and a scone, with tip, it's about eight bucks. Think about it. And I do enjoy my lattes. There's lots of ways, there's lots of creative ways to help feed the kids in your communities. And that's why I started my own nonprofit, No Child Goes Hungry. I do the fundraising. I give a grant to a congregation or a school or a food pantry or a book club and well you name it. And I coach them to go out and feed the kids in their communities. Or that good example is a high school junior in Columbia, Maryland, where I was working. And she started a much needed pantry in her own high school. I provided the grant for all the containers that store the food, and one youth started a pantry for all her peers. I keep it simple. I keep it really simple, just like the Gospel of Matthew. I keep feeding kids simple. Right now, I have over 47 grants out there working around in the United States and Honduras, and I do it one grant, one donor, one organization at a time. One of my very first grants came here to Wes, and you did an awesome job of working with a refugee family, and the grant helped you to feed that family. 
I just gave Wes another grant to cover the building costs for a little free pantry, which will go alongside your little free library that's out in front. You will see you've got the little free library. You're going to see a little free pantry go next to it, maybe two. They're talking about two, one on each side. And together we do this, one by one. We feed kids in need. So lately, for some odd reason, I've been thinking about past presidents of the United States. Past ones. Fancy that. Some of you might remember that on the 25th of May of 1961, President John F. Kennedy stated to a joint session of Congress the goal that within a decade, the United States would put a man on the moon and bring them back safely, 1961. What a goal. And the United States did it. It was a bold and audacious goal that we stated openly and with confidence. Kennedy stated that goal and then backed it up with action, and we did it. We sent a man to the moon and we brought them back safely. What if our goal was no child in America ever went to bed hungry? Or no child in DC ever went to bed hungry? Or no child connected to Wes ever goes to bed hungry? Then another town or another city or another village might follow our lead and then one by one by one, every child gets fed. Right here in your community, you can make that happen in your closest schools. You can ask them how to partner with them to make sure every child has enough to eat. On weekends and holidays and summer vacations, it matters. Every meal that you provide as a community matters. Labor Day weekend is coming up. Will all the kids in your neighborhood schools have enough to eat for that three-day weekend? Like the young man tossing the starfish back into the water one at a time, it matters to each one. It matters to that one. It matters to that one child that they have something to eat that day. I so believe in the starfish story that I had the tattoo, the starfish tattoo on my arm, and on the days when I feel the need to feed every child in the world, and I get a little overwhelmed by it, I just look at my arm and I look at that tattoo and it reminds me to feed just one. Feed just one, Karn, and then you can feed thousands. We can do this. We can end childhood hunger because no child, no child should ever go to bed hungry. May it be so, and may we be audacious enough to make it so. Thank you.
It's always a fun morning when you're inspired by the platform and the music. This is the time 